bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other And welcome to episode 107 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this week I have yet another truly fascinating guest here with me on the show. Professor Spira is an African American history and music professor. He's also an author of several books on mucusless eating. He reached over 300 pounds at the age of 19 when he was playing high school football. Over in the United States, he was suffering from daily migraines, ear infections, joint pain, chronic constipation, allergies, sleep apnea, and acid reflux, and more. I only wrote down, I just stopped writing. There were so many chronic ailments that Professor Spiro was experiencing. And he, ha- he was of the mindset back then that he, this was just part of his genes. This was his DNA. And I hear this time and time again. Look, my mother had diabetes, my grandfather, my grandmother, my great-grandmother. We all just have diabetes. It's just how it is. Or are we all just obese? Or we all just have eczema? Or we all just have heart disease? No, it's not how it is. It's not how it is. If you've listened to this podcast, you will know that you're not destined to get these, in most cases, to get chronic, horrible diseases that are going to make your life miserable. It's that we flick those switches on and we turn those switches on with largely through diet, 80%, then there's stress, then there's, you know, lifestyle, environment, other factors, but they're all factors that are within, most of them are within our control to address, many, many, most of them. And guests on our show have had so many different ailments and diseases and debilitating conditions and have managed to reverse those diseases with a whole food plant-based diet. And Professor Spira is another example of that, going from so being so unwell and feeling so awful, then to meet a man who introduced him to Arnold Eretz mucusless diet healing system. Now, I'd never heard about that. And when he wrote to me to, sh- to share his story with me, I, um, I'd never heard of it. And I found it really fascinating. It is a whole food plant-based diet. It's just reframed in a different way. And I'd never heard of it. And if you haven't heard of it, all the information is in the show notes for where you can read more about mucus, the mucusless diet healing system. It's just, I just like to, I find it curious. I'm a lifelong learner. I find it interesting to hear people's interpretations of a whole food plant-based diet. And so this episode I found really fascinating. I loved hearing Professor Spira's story. I really think you should all click on the show notes to find out more about him insofar as his, his, read his full bio, read his books and check out his YouTube channel, his social media channel. It's just an incredibly fascinating man. Uh, I found it so wonderful to learn more about today's guest myself. If you haven't heard of those things, please go and check out my website and the show notes on this, wherever you've clicked on this episode, you can look at it, you can find it there. 
I hope that you're going to enjoy this episode as much as I did. Thank you, Professor Spira, for coming on the show. And thank you all so much for listening. So, hello and welcome to the show. Greetings. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. So, do I call you Professor Spira? Spira? Is that how I pronounce it? Spira. Yeah, that works. Yep. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I've already given you a little bit of an introduction in the intro to the show. So, yeah, I've read your story online and I'm really excited for you to share it with everyone listening today. Well, I start out coming up just like everybody else. I, we Over here, we call it the standard American diet, the sad diet, but just the standard Australian diet. I guess it's the standard diet anywhere is uh, problematic. You know, cheeseburgers and hot dogs and McDonald's and Burger King, fast food, all that kind of stuff ate out all the time. And as I got older, I was gaining weight and I was, uh, you know, somewhat overweight. By the time I was in high school, I was about 240, 250, but I was a varsity athlete. And I was a football player and I worked out all the time. So it wasn't as extreme as it was about about to be. And when I got out of high school, I went to the College Conservatory of Music to study, become a jazz musician. And when I was there, as a lot of people do when they go to college, they just throw everything to the wind. And I, I was just eating with no restriction. I wasn't working out anymore. So I gained almost 50 pounds. And so I was pushing 300 pounds. And all through this time, all through high school, elementary school, uh, all up to that point, I've suffered from a lot of ailments. So I was sick all the time. I could easily go through boxes of tissues. I had chronic migraine headaches all the time. Used to go to the uh, uh, at, at the nurses station at my school almost every day, and they had a prescription of Advil there for me and Tylenol. And I'd go and lay down, take the pills, and lay down for a half hour, and my <clears throat> migraine might might go away. It might not. Uh, had a uh, 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 bronchitis almost every year. I started having chronic bouts of bronchitis. So I thought these ailments were just inherited. I thought they were normal. I thought that I just, I had, my mother was very sick. She passed away when I was uh, in the sixth grade. And I just thought that that was my lot in life. I just, just because that's the conditioning we get. It's all don't worry too much about diet. It's it's all about the genetics. If you're predisposed to something, then that then you're stuck. And so I had thought that that was maybe the case. <clears throat> I had tried little weight loss schemes and things here and there. Nothing worked. And I had tried changing my diet, but it, but nothing worked. And so in college, I met a guy by the name of Willie Smart, a.k.a. Brother Air. And he introduced me to Professor Arnold Eretz's mucusless diet healing system. And I had never really heard of anything like that. But when he told me about it, was, it happened at a, at a jam session, a jazz jam session. I was with my friend and it was in between sets and they had all this free food sitting there. So we had made a plate and we're sitting there eating all these chicken wings and all this stuff. And I'm sitting across from Brother Air, and he's just giving us this look like he can't hold his tongue any longer. <laughs> so he starts 
telling us about the mucus's diet and what he he had just did a thing where he had eaten nothing but fruit for a year. He he had practiced a diet for like twenty years, and he had just did this period where he ate nothing but fruit, and that was kind of blowing my mind. Like, but it was also making sense because, like, wait a minute, that. Yeah, I get. Yeah, yeah. The primates, if there are, if any animal could exist on fruit, it would make sense that a human could. You know, so just philosophically, not that he was promoting that or telling us to try to eat nothing but fruit, but just philosophically speaking, things that he was doing, uh, it, he was just kind of reporting what he did and doing these long fasts and that kind of stuff. So I ended up getting the Mucus's Diet book, and after that, it just changed my life. I, I started practicing that diet. We, we use the terminology practicing the diet as opposed to sort of labeling our, ourselves as some sort of ism. We just say we practice the Mucus's Diet healing system because it is a discipline. It is a art form uh, when you start to get into it. Uh, but with, after I started practicing that, Within six months, I'd lost about 100 pounds. I totally transformed my physiology where I look like a different person. And everybody that knew me before looked at me and they just, you know, some people were really weirded out by it because I look so different. Other people were fascinated. It was just it, it caused a, a ruckus wherever I was going. Uh, and, and it's one of those things where it got old, you know, where sometimes you, you, you think that, man, I'm going to tell everybody and this kind of stuff. But then after a while, I didn't even want to talk about it sometimes with people because then I had to explain this is like the mucus is diet. And in those days, that was because that was, it was 16 years ago. So people were not as open to even hearing about plant-based diets is in 2019. It's, it's, it's not like it's everywhere, but people don't cuss you out right away when you, I mean, the, the vitriol is not as intense as it once was. And so back then I just got to a point where I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to focus on myself, practice the diet, try to, uh, continue to change my physiology and see where it goes. Just go on that adventure. I'm not sure where it's going to lead me or what it's going to do, but let's find out. And uh, so I've been on that journey for you know 16 years. And after I'd lost the weight, I got off all my pharmaceutical medications for the allergies and stopped having bronchitis. That never happened again. All of these things that were chronic, uh, my lower back pain went away. The, I'm starting to develop what probably would have been arthritis in my hand because I played football for six years and I was always on my uh, on my right hand for my stance. And that was really starting to bother me. That went away. And a um, number of other things. It's, it's one of those things where sometimes you forget the ailments that you used to have that you no longer have. Uh, I used to get bad constipation. And, and that was that's definitely goes away when you practice the system. It's really funny that you say that because it is for me. I've been on this journey now for, um, well, 11 years consistently. And. You do forget. You do forget, and then you, and then when you're thinking, oh my, I can't remember being that person who did have chronic pain everywhere and chronic headaches and constipation and candida and right. all these little and the sleep, the tight fatigue and the brain fog. So yeah, it's 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 interesting trying to explain to people now the things that you have overcome in your past. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes. In my case, people people have a hard time even believing that I ate as bad as I used to eat when I tell those stories because I would go to a neighborhood 
uh, root beer stand that made footlong chili cheese footlongs and all that kind of stuff. And I would get two chili cheese footlongs, a cheeseburger, a root beer, a root beer float, some popcorn in one meal. Whoa. Weekly. Oh my <laughs> I mean, it was it was no it was stupid it was no reason for that but I no one was there to tell me like man that's not really cool I was getting patted on the back because it's like wow you is we reward people that can stuff a bunch of food in their face and uh, it's you know we're in that kind kind of situation where that is looked upon with a lot of uh, grace and wow that's you know I did a my podcast I did a thing where I looked at the the Nathan's uh, uh, hot dog eating contest and the guy you know he within fi- under 15 minutes I think he can stuff like 78 or 80 hot dogs down his throat you know and he's been doing that for years and he's treated like an athlete like a superstar for being able to do that you know we we do some fasting you know but bro, brother air he's kind of like a uh, uh, uh has mastered the art of fasting and he can do long fast start talking about his long fast and people look at him look at him like why aren't you eating you know it's just totally crazy not understanding the dynamics of fasting we call it bizarro world everything is backward <laughs> it's just <laughs> out here you know Yes. So can you, I agree. I agree. And I think for us, it's the same in Australia. Not, I don't think to the same extent because mm. you guys turn the volume up on fast food <laughs> in a way that we haven't yet yeah, got yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't supersized everything as much. Right. But right. I do think it is topsy turvy. You know, we have this this guy here talking about raising vegan, like re- raising plant based kids, and he's always saying how it's just so dangerous. Mm. And everyone's like, yes, yes, it's so dangerous, you know. And I just think, wow, it's so bizarre that there's no one walking around going, you know, raising McDonald's eating kids and you know, fast food right, eating it's kids, so dangerous, so dangerous you know. Because yeah. I was, no one was telling that to my parents. You know, you're right. giving your kids a nutrient poor diet. No one was saying that, but everyone's saying, you know, this one vegan couple, when there's, a, you know, millions and millions of people raising their kids on the standard Australian, standard American, standard British diets, that right. it's very, it is a topsy-turvy land. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And yeah, when people, all the healing that takes place where people going down this path and They'll they'll find one or two case studies of aha they ate this way or they did such and such and they didn't make it or they or something like that and then you go into any hospital and there is a de- like a death quota where the doctors and nurses are allowed to lose a certain percentage of, of their people and uh, that kind of thing so they're losing people every day for things that they that don't have to be lost uh, versus. You know, you was naturopaths now, and there and there's a lot of not good naturopaths. There's a lot of bad naturopaths that don't really understand a, a lot of principles and things that they should, or you know. But that's that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But uh, there are some that do well, and just like anything else, not there's going to be some collateral damage as humanity tries to transition back to a more natural situation. Not everybody's gonna gonna make it you know and so it's part of the process but there's a lot less people not making it going down this road than than the other direction then staying on that path i absolutely agree i absolutely agree and i we've had a few doctors on this show 
well, one, Andrew Davies that works in intensive care and just talking about, you know, how to stay out of intensive care is one of his talks that he does. And, mm. you know, when I went in intensive care recently, friends, my friend's father was was in there and sadly passed away. But every single bed was filled with people with completely preventable, reversible, chronic diseases, mm. you know, and obesity. Every single person in, in that ICU. I, I, it, hurt, it just hurts me uh, when I see that and get so frustrated because I had, you know, growing up, I spent a lot of time in and out of hospitals because my mother was always going to the hospital. I mean, there was one year where it, within, you know, th- 365, out of 365 days, 200 or more of those days, she was had the ambulance called to take her to the hospital. I mean, she was just in and out of the hospital. So I was in those environments at a young age. So I was seeing what a lot of young people don't see. And it just wasn't adding up. It was like, this doesn't, this is not right. This does not have to be like this. This is just very strange. And especially in the nursing homes where in the, uh, where the elderly folks would be and they would never see, you know, fan, no family would ever come to see him for years. You know, some of them hadn't seen anybody uh, and they were just kind of tucked away in these places. And, um, and then looking at what they were eating after practicing a diet, of course, and I go back and I see it's just totally absurd. I mean, and it really, it makes me mad just because it's one thing for people to do whatever they're going to do outside of that. Uh, uh, these places that are supposed to be beacons of healing uh so if you're gonna go do whatever you're gonna do that will ultimately put you in that hospital then that's up to you but when you're in there in a sanctuary of healing you're supposed to i mean you're at least supposed to be eating some fruits and vegetables or something or other and they're serving up meatloaf and uh, just total nonsense giving people soda pop and <sighs> I absolutely, and the fact we have the same with nursing homes and so many different uh, and childcare, where the kids and the people that were supposed to be caring for them, childcare, right. and they're just <laughs> here's your chips, here's your yeah, potato exactly. gems, here's your yeah. you know. And if you say that your kid can't have that, then you they they they're like, wait a minute, they're wanting to call child protective services on you, like, oh, you're are you not letting your kid have meat? Uh oh, all right, we're on the phone. We're gonna take your kids away from you. I know. I think that happens more in the states than here, but oh my gosh, it's absolutely frightening. And I think, especially with elderly people whose immune systems are, you know, that these these gen- both young people and elderly people when they gen- when their immune systems are compromised. Mm-hmm. And they're more vulnerable, and we're feeding them my grandmother's food before she passed away. You know, it was just sadness. Overcooked beans, overcooked carrots, and then a pile of nondescript meat. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. Just mystery meat. Don't have no clue what it is. Yeah, it's. And the thing that a lot of people don't really put together is. Oftentimes when healing takes place, because one reason people don't heal, they're not you're not going to heal eating that stuff. But when people reject what they're eating and then and then when people are actually in in the little comas or they're in a even a medically induced coma, it's basically what we would call a camouflage fast. 
So they're fasting. It's it's a chemically induced uh, or a medically induced fast where even though they're they're pumping this nasty liquid in them that we find abhorrent, this all that kind of. Uh, you know, there's I've read the label of some of that stuff and it's not not good what's in there. But still, it's still they're on a liquid diet for a period of time while they're sleeping and or while they're under and their body is putting itself back together. So the body is still healing itself and fasting is still the omnipotent way that animal life heals, whether you're in a hospital or not. And people don't put that together because you they think, oh, you're in a hospital, you're taking all these pills, that's healing you. No, it's not. It's just, if anything, the best thing they're doing in some cases, if they put someone to sleep and their body is putting them back together, then of course, the progress slows down as soon as they wake up and they start eating the food that they serve them because they, they just have no clue. They know a lot about emergency. So we say if you're if you have an emergency or you're in a car accident or something's going on, go to the emergency room and just let them do whatever they're going to do. They've mastered that. You know, they've mastered the emergency stuff, but when it comes to chronic illness, run in the other direction. They they don't have a clue what's going on. I think that's a really good point to make, and I think that's you know, with people with cesarean section for instance when it's about saving a mother and child's life mm-hmm. in a, in an emergency i think right. that you know we need people to be able to know how to do a cesarean we need doctors to be able to know how to put a broken arm in a plaster cast right but, right but it'd be great if they also learn about diet and nutrition <laughs> right right exactly exactly yes so i wanted to ask for people who don't know what the what the mucusless diet is if you could just give us a little bit of a generalist understanding of what is involved in a mucusless mucusless that is a tongue twister for me mucusless diet. Yeah, mu- <laughs> so I call the mucusless diet healing system the original vegan diet or the original plant based diet because it was the first published book that chartered a transitional methodology for people to go from whatever they were eating to what is a plant-based or a vegan diet, however you, whatever terminology you want to use. Those weren't the terms used back then. So that's not the terminology, but by the definition of those terms today, that's what it is. You know, it's, it's a transitional methodology to do that. So it's, it's not a cold turkey thing. It's not an overnight thing. It's a very sophisticated yet simple method, set of methodologies to allow you to therapeutically transform your physiology permanently. So it's not about willpower. It's not about like if you just or, you know, or you don't have to it's not you don't have to be 100 percent empathetic like some vegans. Say, oh, you, if, if you're not empathetic, it, what I found is when you go down this path and you transform your physiology, your capacity to be empathetic is unobstructed. And so for people that would never they listen to the animal rights kind of message and they wouldn't be sympathetic to it. They get cleaned up a little bit. Now they get it. Now it's starting to click. Like I'm eating something that had two eyes and a mouth and feels pain. What, why am I doing it? And so, uh, so basically just to put, put it in a small definition, it's a transitional system that consists of, uh, mucus-free foods, as well as some non 
or, or some mucus forming foods that are part of the transitional system that get you into a mucus free diet, you know, progressively changing menus as well as other methodologies. So you, we have there's the diet aspect. There's also the fasting aspect. So there's you've heard this term intermittent fasting. As far as I know, Arnold Eric coined that term. It's been redefined. There's different definitions of it today and, and things like that. But the first, the earliest version of that word that I can find is in the mucus's diet healing system, intermittent fasting. It's part of the mucus's diet methodology, which is essentially to do short-term fast. And these are often juice fast. And so there's a lot of misunderstanding that people assume that Eretz's work was very uh, extreme because he's talking about, and he himself, he held the world record for longest monitored fast by government. He had did 49-day fast. Then led up to that with a series of different, a series of smaller fasts up to that 49 days. And that was all documented by the Swiss government. And it was actually, it was even public. People could watch him. He was, when he was kind of weird. And you actually read the story of it. But, uh, but he, he was doing that not because he wanted to promote that and say that that's what we all should be doing, but to try and say, we've been lied to about how the body works. And there's a huge misunderstanding about fundamental aspects of the human organism. And he had a sanitarium where he was healing people, thousands of people, a couple different sanitariums over his time. But people were coming to him that had incurable diseases and he would put them on what became the mucus diet healing system program, the transitional program. Uh, fasting, uh, colon irrigation, that scares some people sometimes. We, we, do, we recommend doing enemas and things like that within the context of the system. But that's the key. The key word with what we do is system. So you once you learn how to line all the, these things up properly, the fasting, the change in diet, the uh, cleaning out the colon a little bit, exercise is a part of it, sunbathing. Once you learn how to systematically apply all these things, you your physiology is going to change. You're going to eliminate unnecessary waste out of your system and you are going to uh, heal. You know, that's where healing takes place. People heal of all kinds of different ailments. Uh, And so what's different between this and when I see other. Vegan or plant-based diets or approaches or some of the different famous doctors approaches that are out now. I rarely hear any of them seriously talking about transition, you know, transition diet. And even people that had practiced the mucus's diet, it's like they had missed that. So that's one of my biggest messages is you don't have to agree with all of Eric's philosophies. You don't have to uh, uh, agree with all of his uh, some of the things that he came up with. He he challenges a lot of different medical views and that kind of stuff. You don't have to believe all that to apply the principles of the system and see progress in your life. Just like any other figure from the past that uh, you know Freud always comes to mind because a lot of the stuff his a lot a lot of his philosophies are not embraced today yet. The work he did still created an entire 
field of of study and and field of of practice uh and so uh so that you know kind of went went all over <laughs> went all over it but that's that's the muses diet that's that's the thing it's it's simple yet once you start getting into it it quickly gets complex and and kind and, and sophisticated yes. i want to ask you two questions just on this on what you've mm-hmm. just said one is in regards to animas and colonic irrigation i'm going to write the other one down mm-hmm. before i forget was this i've had about i don't know nine uh in my own healing journey i had I found a book on my partner's parents shelf about colonic colonic irrigation when I was before I'd really made the switch when I was still when I before my legs went numb I found the book just as my legs went numb and it said you know all about you know stagnant fecal matter like in the colon and in the bowel and that it can be stuck on there like you know really thick and that it's you know, putting toxins into your bloodstream. And I was like, oh, gosh, I definitely, after years of constipation, would have had that. I'm going to do that. Uh, And before I, you know, I've done it when I was still eating meat, eggs and dairy, and it was super painful for me back then when I was really, really constipated. And then I've done it as a whole food plant-based vegan, and it was much, much less painful than it was when I was back in the day. But I spoke to a person on this show, Natalie Woodman, and she is a dietitian and she was saying that that she thinks that colonics putting water in that direction, that it damage like that it it's it's it can be harmful for the gut microbiome and the and the the good guys in your gut. So what 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 do you think about that? I don't know. I'm just asking because I'm just fascinated to know yeah. about it. Yeah, no, and that's a good, that's a good question. Because I've had a lot of them, but she was like, and I was thinking maybe it is something that's probably not great for my good guys. So, yeah, so those, so that's a more contemporary kind of theory that we find to not hold a lot of weight and be problematic. And the one thing about most of all the people that I see when they talk about the dangers of enemas They've not experimented on themselves generally. They've not spent per- periods of time where they're actually now. Of course, enema is different from the colonic. Uh, you know, we we do more enemas, and we specifically lemon juice and distilled water enemas is kind of the current uh, practice that we use. But from our experience, that that hasn't been the case because we have, you know, there's some people that have done enemas on a regular basis for for a, for a long time because they view it as a uh, a way a kind of like a hygiene you like you brush your teeth irrigate your colon you know just just keep cuz to keep that stuff moving you know keep kind of keep it moving so we've had people that do it regularly for many years and they haven't had a problem we've had some people that maybe just do it toward the beginning of their journey just to get cleaned out, get all that black tar stuff out of there, which came out of me after I was doing enemas for, a, I think, a month or two, and, along with the transition diet. And I think I fasted for maybe a day. And you always, we always recommend doing enemas when you fast, definitely. Uh, but I had an elimination that was just, just like this black tar, just smelled like death, just was looking like, 
crazy. And and nothing. And one, I had that once, and nothing like that came out again. <laughs> you know, just it was one of those things where that was some old decayed, like you're talking about the de- decades old feces stone, uneliminated, uh, uh, the crusty fecal matter stuff that just the buildup from childhood on of of this the uneliminated stuff, the residue from mucus forming foods. See, one thing that people will get confused about is they'll say, well, I, is it, they'll think that the foods that they eat is, is there's a direct correlation with the mucus that they're blowing their nose. And there's a relationship, but not a, not a, it's not the same thing. The lymphatic fluid that's coming out when you, when your mucosa, you know, gets rid of that mucus is different from taking a food substance that can degrade into slime. Think about something like white bread. Put white bread in a thing of water and let it sit for two hours. Put put some grapes in in water and let that sit. Which one of those would you want to eat still? The grapes are fine in water. That bread turned into this gluey slime. And that's what we're dealing with. Mucus-forming foods are foods that turn into this slime. Now, other people will say, but yeah, but we have digestive fluids and enzymes, and that takes care of it. Takes care of some of it, not all of it, because our bodies aren't designed to eat that stuff. Our bodies aren't designed to eat bread and to eat uh, the, well, definitely meat and eggs and dairy and all that kind of stuff. So because the body has tried to adapt to an unnatural diet over generations, we can handle it for a little while. And some of it is dealt with. You're still having bowel movements, breaking down. But the fact that we have to wipe the way we do, that residue is being, is, is, you could imagine that residue is all in your, your 32 feet of intestines. That is, 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 so you got this old, then that's where the crust is coming from because it's the residue that builds up over time and you get to a point where if it's not cleaned out, it's uneliminated, you start to have serious problems. That's why there's so much, uh, you know, colon illnesses and all these kind of, I don't like to use a C word, but just, you know, all these different things that are out there. There's a reason it's just uneliminated waste that's just sitting in there, you know? Yes. I find this topic really, really fascinating. I don't know. People talking about <laughs> unlimited waste is really exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I just just before we go on, I just wanted to so col- colonics have a lot more water. Is that the main difference between colonics and enemas? Yeah, the the colonic simultaneously will shoot the water in and 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 kind of suck it back out. So it's shooting in. And can you know kind of get up uh, with that that pressurized water ha- can have a tendency to get up there. But even with with the way that we do enemas, I, I squeeze my enema bag so it actually go it goes up higher than people think. A lot of people say, "Well, enemas only get to the colon." We, if you're clean enough and you're not filled up in, with 32 feet of like impacted intestines, it can go higher. If you know, you know in those cases, but. Uh, but yeah, the colonic is, is you know, going in and coming back out at the same time. And it's usually, you know, it's performed over a period of time. And uh, so that's that's the, the main difference because the enema just you go in and you hold the water in and and then excrete it out however long you hold it for, however long you can hold it. Um, then you you let it out like that. So that's 
So that's the difference. You know, the enema, we find that doing enemas consistently over a longer period of time can sometimes be more more beneficial than just a few colonics. Uh, but we like to see, you know, colonics we find are great if you're getting started. You do a colonic when you say you're getting started with the diet or going down this path and you do a colonic. But then you would want to keep doing enemas maybe after you do a fast or something. If you really want to get yourself cleaned out, go go in and do another colonic and uh, and then see the surprise on the face of the colonic person when there's not a whole lot of stuff coming out and they're like what is going on there's usually all kinds of stuff coming out and there's nothing coming out here yeah. you know but uh <sighs> but yeah but i look at them as tools there it's all just different different tools that are at our disposal you know so we got our enemas we got colonics you know there's the bulb enema there's times when i've recommended that for folks that might have been ha- having trouble doing uh, the enemas with you know a liter of water or two liters of water for whatever reason, then we get out the little bulb enema, uh, you know. So there's these are all just tools we 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 can use for various reasons. Before I I just don't want to forget, but with the transition diet, so you is that allowing old slime forming foods initially as they go on to a cleaner diet? Is that what you mean by transition diet for you? Yeah, so when you read the transition diet section, he lays out some different examples to show you the way the mechanics work. And you are able to get on and use certain items that are better than others and also apply certain principles. So, for example, in my case, I, I, something that I no longer eat years later, but in the beginning I ate hundred percent wheat spaghetti and, but I would always have a salad. That's the one principle I've always stood by with the mucus's diet is when you have your vegetable meal, because we do, we have separate, we don't eat fruit and vegetables at the same time. You got the vegetable portion, fruit portion. If you're going to have a two course meal, you would eat your fruit first, wait 15 minutes and then have the vegetable course. And this is just to organize things because that mixture is, is hard for the body to, to deal with. And as you get cleaner, you'll notice it's harder to uh, tolerate improper combinations of foods. But so essentially you will get off of like for So I, I would crave maybe a burger or meat or pizza or something. But instead, I just had enough discipline to let me just get, make some vegetables and I'll have this uh, big thing of 100% wheat spaghetti and I'd eat it and it would fill me up and that was cool. You know, it helped me get away from a worse choice. Uh, as I got deeper in, then I started saying, okay, well, what about the zucchini pasta let me try that or let me have more vegetables so what ended up happening was i made more and more i would saute have onion saute and kind of uh, saute and steam uh, broccoli and cabbage or collard greens or something like that and i was enjoying these vegetables so much with the big raw salad that i didn't even want the spaghetti anymore. You know, the spaghetti was getting to a point where it really wasn't eliminating well. That's one thing that we monitor. I use we use the term elimination all the time and we want to monitor how does 
uh, an item eliminate. So instead of having really hard pressed rules and saying being very rigid, like you can't eat this and you got to do this. How does a particular food item eliminate for you? Because if it doesn't eliminate well, then you want to find something else. You want to get off of that item and find something else that's going to. And when we say not eliminate well, we're talking about you notice that it's not creating good bowel movements. It's not going through. It might be causing some heartburn. You know, I would used to eat certain mucus forming foods. And an hour later, I would start to get that little bit of acid reflux in my in my throat or, you know, I could just feel that it wasn't digesting. When I eat mucus free, that doesn't happen. I've never had an experience like that when I've had been totally mucus free. It's usually just been the mucus forming. Food. Absolutely. I, I, it's interesting that you say this because I always my husband loves pasta and so do the kids and whole wheat pasta, like you're saying. And I just always skip dinner that I'm never eating with the family when it's pasta night because I just, it doesn't eliminate well. I don't feel good. It feels like eating glue to me. It just sticks my guts together and I don't, you know, flour and water makes glue. (laughs) My mum used to give that to us when we had no craft glue at home. Just use this. And I was thinking, oh God, this is the worst craft glue mum, but okay. (laughs) But it's this, yeah, it's the same. As I always think of it when I have pasta, I think, oh, it's just, it just sticks together inside me. Why would I want to have that? Right. Well, and that's and that's and that same thing kind of with, with rice. Rice was the one thing that I never really used. I, I just didn't even mess with rice for that same reason, because for me, it didn't eliminate at all. But, you know, they make glue out of rice. I mean, as a fa- I think they they used rice glue for the Great Wall of China and stuff, you know, it's a, and book binders, you know, book binders glue you know, is made out of, out of rice and stuff like that. And um, so. So, yeah, so these these items, uh, but I always tell people, don't be hard on yourself. Don't you know, I work with a lot of people that tried to be raw foodist or tried to be fruitarians or go. They kind of went down a, a little more of an extremist path. And I've been able to sort of catch them as they fall where I where I would tell them, I say, OK, now do what you're going to do, because I know you're going to you're not going to listen to me now. But if you get to a point where you're falling off the wagon and you need some help, my advice to you is instead of going all the way back to eating them the way you used to eat or doing some kind of raw meat diet like some of these folks are doing, check out the transition diet because it's not against the law. It's not bad. You don't have to feel guilty about allowing your body to go through this transformation because we have generations of improper eating. This isn't something that we can just turn around just with our willpower. We think we can just turn these things around overnight. We have work to do. And part of Eric's vision was to try to get allow humans to get back to where we were coming from. You know, that plant based reality before we had these kinds of illnesses and diseases. I mean, a lot of this stuff is new because of the way we live. Mm. And I agree. I agree completely. And I think that the trans idea of transition, I mean, I agree completely with what you're saying about transitioning because I think, like you said, a lot of people, they go all the way to, you know, I met this woman at my work and she was my old work. She was significantly overweight and so she went straight to, which, is, which isn't, isn't a bad thing, but she went straight to a 30-day juice 
fast and she lost 13, 13 kilo, kilograms. But then I think she watched um, that juice. What was his name? Fat, sick and nearly dead. I think that's what made her go on the 30-day uh-huh. juice yeah, cleanse, which yeah. is a great documentary. But then she just swang back to her old ways because she was like, ah, oh, tomato juice. And she was buying these sad processed juices from like the the vending machines and I was watching her when she was doing the cleanse thinking like these juices are dead you know like they've been dead for months <laughs> right 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 of course you feel sad when you're drinking those juices out of a vending machine and then at the end you're desperate for candy and chips and cakes and all these things so I like that you're talking about the people who I guess a lot of the controversy and worry that the media people have about vegans is the ones that go whoosh all the way to I'm only doing dates, you know, like Freely the Banana Girl. I'm only going to eat dates for a, a month. Yeah, yeah. 30 bananas a day. I mean, that kind of thing. You know, it's just, the yeah, that it's kind of extremism. And they're not, and, and, and I've, you know, and I'm not a, I don't really watch real close, but just the things I've seen of, of them, it's like they're not they don't do the exact same thing now that there. It was like, where's the methodology to it? It was just, OK, the calorie theory. So as long as we get enough calories, but then here comes rice, here comes vegetarian pizza, here comes all this. Like, wait a minute, where'd all that come from? It was like, well, as long as it's calories, it's, it's so it's yeah, it is a lot. of conf- Yes. And bags and bags of sugar in there. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I was like, what are they doing? Wow. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. And how no, no greens inside. And I think that that, I think that can be really tricky because especially young people, they see these lean, fit, cycling, mm. Instagram-worthy right. bodies and they're just like, okay, I'm just going to have a whole gallon of coconut sugar and bananas and right. that's what I'm going to be eating. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then there's no mm. nutrients, you know, very little nutrients and, they, and then they go back to eating or they go straight away to keto because they just are looking for a quick fix. Something, yeah. Yeah. So I really like talking about transition because I think a lot of people they find it hard to go and talk about this almost every episode because there's a there's a, full, there's a there's a small group of people who manage to just do it overnight and nail it overnight. That's wonderful. But for a lot of people, cutting out all the foods that they've loved their whole life and been conditioned to eat is a struggle. And and when they do do that, they feel all this lack in their life, this I'm suffering, I'm missing out, I'm, you know, I can't hang out with my friends, socializing so difficult. And so then they just throw in the towel and go back to the old way. So I do like that kind of more intuitive eating and taking it a bit slowly just to start checking in and listening and be like yourself, you know, okay, so maybe zucchini pasta or maybe this, you know, whole wheat pasta and then zucchini pasta or, you know, what can I do? What's a better choice at each meal? Right. Yeah. Another example of that for me was, you know, Eric recommends using 100 percent grain toast as as a part, you know, as you're craving mucus and that kind of thing. Uh, and and the reason you toast is because when you toast the grains, you cook out some of those sticky, mucusy, gluey properties. And uh, but so but for a while, you know, for a long time I was doing that. But then I transitioned to 100 percent wheat tortillas. 
Then wheat altogether started bothering me, and so I transitioned to some of the kind of the gluten-free tortillas, but I tried to stay away from the rice flour ones and the potato flour and that kind of weird stuff. And then more recently, they've come out with some things that would have been great back then, these little almond-based uh, uh, tortillas that, that kind of toast up kind of nice. But, uh, but, that's, but that's the mentality. That's the kind of thing. You're, you're constantly over a long period, longer period of time – you when you're in a particular mode and you're eating that toast or whatever it is, you're, you're not guilty about it. You're not and you don't have to feel pressured to hurry to the next like, oh, I got to get off of this. It's like, no, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to enjoy this period. But I know I'm not going to be here forever. And when my body starts to tell me it's time to make a move, be prepared to make a move. And that's the attitude. That's where people, I think, get lost because the body starts telling them things that they don't want to hear. And so they get too comfortable doing certain thing. And they'll be like, I don't really want to do that right now. Like, you better, your body's telling you to do it. Don't, don't ignore that. Once you get, uh, you know, get, get, like you said, that intuitive, but to get to that, we have to remove some obstruction because at first we're being led by the addictions. And so if we're being intuitive, the intuitiveness is being, uh, compromised by all of the old residue of McDonald's and you know all that stuff, but once you clean that out, that's when that intuitive nature starts to come, and, and you can s- discern what's what is what's the addiction. Wh- why am I craving something that I know is not good? Why am I craving the poison? Versus, and then you notice you start to crave the good stuff, the vegetables and the fruit and all that kind of stuff, and uh, and it unfolds in, in front of your is in front of you. But to get to that, you got to be, you know, have a little bit of calm and you know, go, go with the flow where as it's, it's not as, uh, it's like some, it seems like some of the more popular, uh, uh, guru figures, you know, they're all like, like you said, the athletes are, yeah, they're this and rah, rah and all this kind of stuff is as opposed to being calm. I like to be calm and peaceful and, you know, you just kind of keep it flowing, keep it moving. I think that's a really interesting – I'm not a calm person. I would like to be. I do, I've do. Med- i meditating every day for a while now, uh, but I'm still yeah. a high anxious person. <laughs> but I think that that for me is something that I'm definitely working on. But what I wanted to talk about was for a lot of the people that I follow and I, and, and I myself where I am at in my – life is that I like how do you find for me I like potatoes root vegetables not just for grounding (laughs) but but also for satiation so I don't feel hungry just for long burning energy but you know I'm interested in listening to you as far as that how does that how does that work in with a mucusless diet as far as some he- foods that stay with you longer because I find when I'm doing raw vegan you know, and trying to be just to do things. Well, firstly, here it can be really cold. Right. So in winter, I find it really hard to do because I find it very hard to get. Wim Hof mm-hmm. would say I just mm-hmm. need to do some deep breath work to get that <laughs> to, to get that heat up. But I find I get very cold when I eat just raw in winter, and so I like those warmer. Potato, sweet potatoes mostly to keep myself full. That those those starch based foods. So you having 
No starch-based foods. Well, no, because remember it's the tra- transition. <laughs> and but but there's always things that are a better choice than the other. So a we- a well-baked sweet potato is pretty close to being mucus-free if it's really well-baked, or if you have like the sweet potato, uh, if you make them into like, chips or something like that. That's relatively mucus-free, you know. Not white, you know, the white potato, that that's not going to eliminate well at all, you know, and so in any way it's prepared. Now, some people do use white potatoes for their transition. I've always advised against it just because to me, sweet potatoes are if you can just get your your palate into that, then that's cool. But I know for some people the white potato it's, it's a big addiction, so uh but but again, the the principle there would be whatever you eat, whether it's the white or sweet, uh, sweet potato or whatever it is, ha- have it with the big raw salad because that's going to help it eliminate. Now, when people tell me they're hungry, I usually recommend, I call it Eric's two course meal. He didn't call it that, but basically it's, if you have, have some fruit or you can have some, some dried fruit and some juicy fruit, uh, uh, and wait 15 minutes and then follow it up with big raw salad, some cooked vegetables, and then if you're still hungry, you can ha- have a couple pieces of of the 100% wheat toast or something like that. I mean, you eat all that, and and, and with the vegetables, you can bake some uh, uh, squashes. You got the acorn squash or uh, spaghetti squashes. You know, is a little little heavier kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you, you can get into. I mean, there's a handful of things that we recommend avoid. One of the reasons that I like to avoid certain mucus forming foods is I don't like things that are inherently very addictive. So that was another thing with me with the, with the white potatoes were addictive, not uh, kind of because they don't first, they don't taste good by themselves. When you find something that you it, it, to now, maybe you like it by itself. I but, like it by itself. Okay, I'm right, so well, bad. I love them every way by themselves. I couldn't have it without. I had to have all the stuff on it, all the, the sour cream and the salt and the pepper, butter and all that, you know. But with sweet potatoes, I didn't have to. I didn't have to, you know, I was able to have, just have it either. Now, early on, I did use some of that, that, that old vegan butter kind of stuff for, for a while. I don't usually recommend that today because there's other things that people can use that's more refined than that, but it worked for me. And, and I got to a point where I didn't want that anymore. I started having problems with it. I had negative symptoms and once I cut it out, the symptoms went away. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm off that now. But, uh, but but that's what to me that's what's fun about the transition diet and when you really have a grasp of the methodology you know you go through and I always tell people go back to the transition diet lessons in the mucus's diet book I'll and, put the mucus's diet book link in the show notes so anyone who's listening isn't th- thinking what is this book it's in the show notes you just find the book there and you can buy it yeah yeah and uh and so, yeah, once you get into that methodology and you start to see, then I also have, I'll give you a link too for, there's a, people can download a free, I kind of have this, this menu, uh, creating document that can teach people how to make menus themselves. And 
uh, schedule, kind of schedule how to schedule your day. If you're into you know that, I've noticed as I worked with a number of people doing that, and I would make menus and things for them, and they would really like how I laid it out, and uh, and so that's one one way to do it. But once you know what you can work with, and you get ideas of different things to try, you know, different vegetables you might never have tried before, different ways to do them, you know, getting into the baked fruit. A lot of people that I work with, they've never tried. They haven't experienced the baked banana surprise yet. What? Baked banana, banana, applesauce, and chopped dates for people that have a sweet tooth. Woo-wee. I mean, you're you're craving anything like some pies or cakes or vegan pastries or anything like that. You make baked banana surprise, and you are going to be satisfied. You can put some cinnamon on there if you want, whatever. I'm going to have to make baked banana surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, so that's so there's there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot to work with just within the fruits and the vegetables. Then if you're craving, you know, I see I like to deal with things based on cravings and sort of react to the cravings. So if you are craving, so if, say if somebody's craving some meat or something, then it's like, okay, well, what type of, what, you know, what, let's find out why you're craving that, you know, because sometimes I can tell someone to just uh, do, you know, one, one of the ways that we use the enemas therapeutically, especially early on, is it helps you get off of meat and dairy if you're still craving it because it's helping you get that poison out of your system as long as you have that poison in your system you're going to crave that stuff and so once you really get it out so if you have if there's a day where somebody's really craving those bad foods i say okay well first have enough discipline go do an enema like right now just drop everything go do an enema lemon juice enema once you do that then then sort of reass- kind of reassess from there. Are, are you still craving that stuff? Uh, can you n- maybe now go and have something? I mean, wait a little bit after you do the enema, but when you do have your meal, can you have a, a, just a regular transition meal? Or maybe if it's really bad, get bring in a little of the processed vegan stuff. You know, it's not against the law, but again, methodologically, uh, it's not something that I recommend all the time, and it's not something you want to eat every day for all the time, in our opinion. But again, methodologically, you can again, if you have big raw salad, you got your cooked vegetables. If you throw in some kind of little processed patty, plant-based patty or something, or you make your own or whatever, it's not the end of the world. It's gonna if it's gonna if it's eliminating okay. Of course, there's certain brands and ingredients that are a lot better than others, and that's. You know, that that's that kind of uh, argument that I don't I don't even waste time to get into that because I don't want to be eating that stuff that long. Uh, You know, but if you but they're getting tools, you know, we we do have all these different tools at our disposal. And there are some for people that are having some trouble early on. There there are some non plant based recommendations that are a part of the early transition. You know, so there's there's a lot of tools uh, that we have. The, that we can use uh, for wherever you are at your your in your transition. And I think that that is helpful for people like my dad, for instance, who don't want to go plant based at all. Mm-hmm. Having right. having something that is adaptable to kind of every person on their pathway does sound does right. sound useful as far as getting them to 
begin to eat more intuitively and listen and pay more attention to what they're eating and not making it feel like they're making this huge flip to becoming a completely different person with completely dis- different eating habits. Even though like this, what, what you're saying is it's interesting because you're a different guest on the show and what you're saying is a little bit different because a lot of our guests, we lo- we love rice. Now, I don't love rice because it just, again, white rice, mm-hmm. I don't love. Brown rice, I don't mind. Yeah. Quinoa, I don't mind. But whole wheat, mm. I don't mind. But, and I like, and I love potatoes. But I, but I do like listening to what you're saying because I know I feel really great when I am have when I'm raw for a day I know I feel great when I fast for a day and I do think that opening a discussion about really listening to our bodies and trusting our where we are in our individual journey and and moving in a direction that is possible for us that feels possible for us rather than feels impossible for us because it's so out there just dates for a month you know or just green juice broccoli juice for a month I really like what you're saying in that in that as in that regard. I think it's a really, 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 really important thing to to hear. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I, yeah, I just gave a talk at a, a vegan. It was the the second or third annual uh, Columbus Vegan Festival, and uh, and I I tend to push vegans a little bit because they yeah they usually don't have the someone as saying okay you got to go a little further i'm not saying that you have to be 100% raw or anything like that because we're part of the methodology and this is what's different and was so hard for a lot of the raw folks to understand cuz it's we i would rather see somebody be eat cooked and raw foods and be mucus free cuz you can ha- there's not all cooked foods are mucus or mucus forming uh and there's a lot of co- vegetables that should be cooked to for you to eat that you shouldn't eat them raw and so when you i would rather see somebody be totally mucus free and have your the cooked food than to be totally raw but they're eating a bunch of stuff that's mucus forming and what would that be what does that include so so, so they hate me for this because I, I when I start talking about the avocados, you know, they, they get real, really mad. And I'm like, I'm not saying you have to abolish them. I'm just saying be just observe because you'll see if you observe uh, and depending on how you eat it. But some of these folks, when they're eating like six of them and they're trying to and that kind of stuff in, in a sitting, it's like that's one thing if you instead of some oil, you take an avocado and you make it into a dressing or something like that. I mean, I'm not saying it can't be used, but just be understand that it is mucus forming, you know, is mucus forming the, the nuts and seeds, especially like the roasted kind of stuff. Yet again, we recommend if you're going to have nuts, always have it with dried fruit, always have them with something like raisins because it's going to help it digest and eliminate. Which I find interesting because nuts, like I, I always remember back when I was eating anything, a standard Australian diet, a girlfriend and I were catching up and I thought, I'm going to be healthy tonight. I'm going to bring almonds and grapes. I'm going to be, so I was back when I, back, back when I could eat you know, cake and chips and I was eating, you know, whatever. I got bought almonds and grapes to her house and we ate them and we thought we were doing this great thing. But almonds, our tummies were out here. Like you can't see me, but 
I, mean, I had yeah, yeah you just and that made me count. I had oh, the worst tummy pain. We we're both sitting there going that <laughs> like we could we should have been eating cheeseburgers and chips and cake because yeah, this made us feel so yeah. much worse. And now when I think about the water and then the fast processing grapes and the dense nuts in my belly, so I'm fascinated that drying to drying it out. You think make or well, obviously it would make it process a bit easier, but still I would think that that's not the most ideal meal. No, I mean, it's to do it without that is what's bad to do, to have nuts without raisins or without, especially if they're, it's one thing if you're, uh, if you're doing the soaked nuts or something, I mean, that's a little different thing, but if you're having roasted nuts or some kind of like just the store-bought nuts where they pretty much roast them or something, um, and, and you're not having dried fruit with it, then that's, that's bad. You know, that's, that's, that's problematic. So that's one of those principles. That so how does the fruit help? It's, I mean, some people would get into like the, the, the enzymes and the enzymatic kind of, I, I generally don't try to get that scientific and get into that. It's just, it, it's simply, uh, because it, I mean, that's probably really what it, the, the ends it's creates an enzymatic kind of uh, response. But it, it, but it's also going to because okay, if you have this, the 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 nuts, because if if again do a test, chew up chew up the nuts and 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 spit it in water, <laughs> and see that's it's a it's a glob of of some of slime, you know, of, of of a slimy kind of substance, not as slimy as that white bread in the water, but it's it's still slimy. It's gonna be there's a residue there. The uh, the the dried fruit helps to bind that, and so there's the the enzyme aspect to it. But it's also it's helping to bind that as it's going through. So ultimately, it's going to result in an improved digestive experience with the nuts. Mm. And I guess yeah, just. It's about trying. I find I, I love trying all these different things and th- and th- feeling them in my own body and giving them a few tries because, you know, uh, for me, I didn't know what felt good or bad until I'd started really cleaning up my diet and I couldn't even check in and be like, oh, what did this onion make me feel when I was still eating meat, eggs, dairy, chips, chocolate, biscuits. Right. Everything just felt fine. Until I started to clean things up and then I was like, oh, wow, now my body's starting to function better. It's sending me more signals that it's unhappy. And now I can be like, oh, those nuts feel really uncomfortable in my, in my stomach or this feels uncomfortable or that feels uncomfortable, which before when I was eating everything, I didn't right. notice. Whereas now I'll eat something and immediately... And my brother will say, oh, my gosh, your stomach's so sensitive. You know, I would hate to be like that. I'd rather be able to eat whatever I want like he does than this. Right. But I like, I like having a stomach that says, um, no, that wasn't food. You know, <laughs> like that, that wasn't food. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, and that's part of getting back. Our bodies are, are reacquainting itself with nature, with what – because, again, the body has – tried to adapt over generations and generations to and, and, and really can't and still can't keep up because there are a lot of these these ailments and these illnesses that are popping up uh, that is, you know, new ones all the time because 
the body keeps on trying to give us a message saying, you got to change this. This fast food isn't, this isn't natural. That's not natural. And so it's trying to give us all these signals and we keep ignoring it and suppressing it with drugs and uh, whatever. And, and wondering why, why things are so bad, why, uh, and so, yeah, for a period of time, someone can eat like that and then things are fine. Then all of a sudden, it's not fine. And then they're they're diagnosed with something or they're having some really bad symptoms about something. And it's hard to it's hard to turn around then. But that's usually when someone calls us and in, in interested in this kind of lifestyle is after they've already went they, they've gotten to that breaking point where their body has just said, OK, you're, you're done. And the doctor's saying, OK, you only have six months or we can't help you. We can treat you. Then they're a little more open minded and they start to investigate what we're talking about. And I wish it wasn't like that. I wish people could see the wisdom of making that change before it gets that bad, you know, because then you can uh, head off a lot of pain and suffering at the past, you know, because once you when you get to that and then you come over here, a lot of people, yeah, they heal themselves, definitely. But there's a lot of pain that you had to go through. That, that could have been stopped way, way before that. Exactly. And I think that what you're saying seems very similar to the work that they do at True North that Dr. Clapper, Michael Clapper talks about as far as the fasting, the water fasting, the juice fasting, the roar, the transitioning and, and meeting people kind of where they're at. From what I've heard about True North, they, which I'll put in the, the show notes, but they also do, I know it's not the same, but I like... I think for people who are listening who are very, very familiar with the work of Dr. Clapper and the doctors that work at True Mm. North, I think that there are similarities in what you're saying as far as the importance of fasting, the benefits of fasting and going raw and really cleaning things up. But also, you know, they have people who, you know, they don't put on raw diet. They put on, you know, whole food, plant-based first, Mm. meeting people where they're at. And I think that that is a really, really important similarity between the two of you. And I think just a wonderful way to approach health and healing is to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. So before we hang up, because I know if we talk about so many things and I actually haven't covered my questions, we've just kind of gone on a, on a, on a journey, which is (laughs) fine. I I like those. Sorry, everyone who's used to it with me, (laughs) but where can people find your work? And now it'll be in the show notes, but just if you're listening and you're on your run and you don't want to stop and scroll through the show notes right now, where can they find your your book, your podcast, all those kinds of things? All that stuff. So if you go to mucusfreelife.com, it's mucusfreelife.com, you can find a lot of a lot of our stuff. Uh, it's the main website. There's a lot of free articles on there. We got a whole library of stuff, a blog with years worth of blog entries. Then uh, we do have a store on there. Uh, if you're in Australia, I would you, you might want to check the local uh, Amazon because all of our books are on Amazon. There's a to- total of seven books that we sell. Uh, the annotated, revised, and edited mucus's diet healing system is the most important. That's the one that I would say get first. But I have a, another book called Spirit Speaks Dialogues and Essays on the Mucus's Diet, which is a lifestyle book. I don't call it a diet book. There's a lot of case studies in there talking about a lot of stuff that people go through just with their families when they're, 
getting into the mucus's diet. They want to do an enema, but their parents are in the next room. And how do you deal with that? How do you, you know, get into that kind of stuff in the book? Uh, rational fasting is the fundamental. I mean, all of these, the folks that once you, if you're talking about fasting, the, uh, the, one of the original books is very influential to everybody that gets into fasting is, uh, Arnold Eric's rational fasting book. There's a few other ones. I created a, uh, book called Spira's Notes, which is like a, uh, uh, over here, something called Cliff's Notes, but it's basically a, uh, a summary. There's summaries and outlines and questions, uh, review questions and vocab and all that, uh, throughout the, for the whole mucus diet healing system book. And, uh, so, so that, so all, all those books are there on, I'll give you another link. There's a, a way to get all seven of the books at one time. Uh, and, and I, I, that, that's at a little different website. It's like info.mucusfreelife.com. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll give you the, the actual URL to that. If anyone's, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah. And social media, where can they find you? They can find, uh, if you type in professor Spira this is a fan page. Uh, I run a fan page called Arnold Errett, and uh, we have a support group, Professor Arnold Errett, uh, Mucusless Diet Healing System, and uh, uh, YouTube, that definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel, Professor Spira, Mucus Free Life LLC, and, uh, and sign up for the, if you sign up for the free uh, free giveaways that, that include, there's a five free recipes and the big banana surprise is one of those recipes Yay! Uh, that uh, uh but yes yeah, s- sign up and you get on our our newsletter and and you get further information about things that we're doing awesome awesome i'm i'm going to be signing up and having a look at all those places uh and i'll put those links in the show notes if you're listening and you want to go back to them later or you want to read now uh and Every episode, I ask people their three biggest tips for anyone wanting to make the switch to a plant-based, whole food plant-based diet, but for you, a mucusless lifestyle, (laughs) what would that be for you? Yeah, plant-based lifestyle. (laughs) Well, really, it'd be transition, 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 but (laughs) that's you know that, that those are my, that's my tips yeah transition 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 okay i so i like that i think it's a really they're really nice three tips <laughs> um transition 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 and i think for most people they are really inspiring tips because many many of us it has been a transition and my diet today i know will be I will look back on where I am today 10 years from now and be like, whoa, you know, I ate so many foods then that I don't eat now. And, you know, 10 years ago, I couldn't stop making myself vegan cakes. You know, I wouldn't stop making myself vegan cakes. When I first made this switch, I constantly baked because I loved cake. Mm -hmm. And so I'd make vegan whole food cakes all the time, which, which didn't which weren't great. I don't feel good, which now I wouldn't do. But then I was doing that all the time. And then I was eating a lot more nut butters than I am now. And mm-hmm. now that nut butter right. has decreased a lot, but it's still an issue. <laughs> right. Right, but right, so it's right. wonderful. I think it's a really great tip. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
It was wonderful and really interesting talking to you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Thank you. And yes, I will look forward to reading all of your books now. Um, now I've got a whole seven to get through. <laughs> My bedside table stack is actually a laughable pile at the moment. <laughs> thank you again. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Professor Spira, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope that you got some value out of this episode this week. I, Yeah, as I said, I really found it fascinating. So please check out the show notes for more from Professor Spira. Go get his books and have a read. And, yeah, let's just try this mucusless eating out for ourselves. Although I'm still, look, I'm not swayed on the potatoes. Potatoes are my lifelong love. So we'll have to agree to disagree on the potatoes and the white rice. And the rice, well, I don't like white rice very much, but I like brown rice. So, yeah, so, you know, we have some differences, but it's always, I think it's nice to find out what works for you. For me, potatoes and rice, I am... I'm going to stick with them. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to learn different things and to figure out what feels good in your body and to go with that. So, yeah, if you have any, like, wow, let's let, let's always remember that if you have differing agreements, please just be kind. I know that the starches, and I'm a very starch-based person myself, can be a bit challenged by hearing thoughts outside of the avid supporters of starches and but it's interesting. It's just fascinating and I'm happy to share it. But please always tune into yourself. This is really about listening and noticing what foods feel good in your body, what foods don't. Now, obviously, when I say that, I am taking, I am assuming that you're aware that I don't actually ever mean animal products in that time where I want you to know what feels good. Some people will say eggs feel so good in my body. I just I'm not supportive of that. <laughs> like, I'm not supportive of that for environmental, ethical and scientific research reasons. I'm never going to be supportive of eggs, meat, dairy, seafood, feeling good in your body because, you know, I thought that Kit Kats felt good, felt good in my body too. But they're obviously not a health-promoting health food choice and I don't believe that any animal products are health-promoting food choices in the long term. So, yes, when I say notice, I mean notice what plant foods feel good in your body. You know, if sometimes beans, broccoli, just listen, play around. And if they, if there's something that's like an apple makes you feel yuck, like sometimes apples might make me feel bloated, well, when I get bloated from an apple, I start to think, what is happening in my body that an apple is making me feel bloated and uncomfortable? Is that the apple or is that disease within my gut and do I need to address that underlying cause so that I can eat an apple without maybe getting so uncomfortable you know you need to kind of play around because common sense will say as if an apple's an apple's pretty much going to be fine for you unless there's something fundamentally wrong with your microbiome that needs addressing yeah I hope that makes sense but yes play around for me I love potatoes and rice, and I think that they're wonderful. But I can see what he's saying about them, you know, the breads and the refined grains for sure. Pastas, I've never liked them. They always feel so sticky and claggy inside my tummy. So for me, I just avoid 
refined grains, but I really enjoy the whole grains. So we'll have to just love each other and be supportive of each other on our what works for us whole food plant-based diet, as long as it's good for the animals and the planet and our bodies, then that's wonderful. So yeah, I'm happy to, uh, it was just great chatting and I hope that you found it as interesting as I did. And I otherwise will see you all next week. But if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I put out new episodes every Sunday or every Monday slash Tuesday or every Sunday slash Monday if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and you can subscribe or you can leave me a kind rating over at iTunes if you've got a minute to kill and you don't want to go back onto social media. That I'd be so grateful. Or if you have time to leave a five-star rating or yeah, rating over at iTunes, that would be awesome as well. All of those things help spread this message of whole food plant-based eating, which is better for the animals, better for the planet and better for human health. And it just makes my heart happy when you guys <laughs> show me some love over at iTunes. Thank you, everyone who has. And thank you, everyone who has signed up to Patreon I love you all. You are my number one. I give you my heart over all of my closest family and friends. <laughs> Honestly, I'm always so grateful to you. Um, thank you. Recently, I had the lovely Alex join me over at Patreon. And thank you so much for doing that. It means, it means the world to me that people care about this podcast enough to support it financially once a month by giving me, sacrificing their soy chai lattes for joining me over at Patreon and helping this podcast to reach more people for longer. Thank you all. If you haven't yet joined me over at podcast for the price of a soy chai latte once a month, I would love it if you could. And I will have the link in the show notes for anyone who thinks, you know what, I do love this podcast enough to sacrifice one soy chai latte once a month to keep it going into the future. You're my kind of people. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Because this podcast is a love project that makes me no money, but takes up very, very, very much of my time because I am obsessed with this topic and... I just want everyone to hear these stories desperately. So, yeah, thank you everyone who has and thank you everyone else who is considering it right now and are going to head over to the show notes, click on the link and join me over there with the, for the price of a soy chai latte. I repeat, the price of a soy chai latte once a month. <laughs> this is how I got stuff from my parents, just begging, just begging people to give me stuff until they finally cave. That was my plan of attack as a child to get toys. And that's what I'm doing with you all right now. Just begging you to help me end this podcast. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not above desperate pleas for help. So thank you all for everyone who has donated over there and joined the community and is supporting the podcast. You are as I said, the top of the top of the top for me. And I 
love you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I will see you all next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier day